Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, the podcast. Hard to argue that. They just have to get on the court together again. We're going to start this hour with a little NBA. Not Michael Jordan, but with uh, Montel Jordan instead. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, presented Six, by Progressive eight. Insurance. All guests on the Goodyear Hotline includes Kirk Herbstreit coming up in 30 minutes from now. We're less than two weeks away from the draft. Had an opportunity to sit down with Justin Fields. We'll get into it all with Herbie coming up in just about 30 minutes from now, 8.30 a.m. Eastern. That's the voice of Bart Scott. He's in for Jay this week. Jay will be back next week, of course. Key in the house He can't here. wait, too. <laughs> oh, man, be quiet, man. Let the man finish. Uh, well, I guess where we'll start and finish here is anytime a legend comes out, it doesn't matter whether he's dribbled or scored, and that's the beauty of Barkley. hasn't scored a point in 20 years. He's still as relevant as could ever be. Barkley, of course, former great sixer. Dr. J, one of the great sixers of all time. He just heard everybody effusive praise on the Nets if they can put it all together and get together in a healthy way and win a title. I think it's great. It takes a franchise that's been irrelevant for a really long time and puts them right in there. The NBA needs more of those sorts of teams that can tell their fan base at the beginning of the season, we got a chance to win it. It's how you win it, though, that Julius Irving has a little bit of a problem with. I'm going to reel this off from the doctor and get your thoughts on it. Are the Nets buying a championship? This is Julius Irving on Danny Green's podcast, appropriately enough, of course, Danny Green with the Sixers, quote, it's reminiscent of how the Yankees used to do it all the time, Dr. J told Danny Green, quote, they load up and they call it buying a championship. The Lakers are known for doing it too. <laughs> They're just buying a championship, man. They're getting all these pieces, putting it on the Yankees, putting it on the Lakers, and what the Nets are currently doing by acquiring, of course, KD, Kyrie Irving, who, of course, uh, pairing with James Harden. What do you make? Does doctor is this sour grapes or is this legit? It's I don't think I wouldn't necessarily call it sour grapes. It's just his view where he sees things today. Is he wrong? I wouldn't. Hell yeah, he wrong. I wouldn't necessarily call it buying a championship though. It's not buying because they got to finish the deal. Still got to earn it. Yeah, you still got to earn it. I mean, think about it. There's there's different ways to go about getting a championship. You could trade guys. You can get guys in free agency. I mean, it's different ways of doing it. Just so happened Harden wanted to go away from Houston and come play with his dudes in New York. And there's nothing wrong with it. AD wanted to leave New Orleans and come play with LeBron in L.A. Okay? I mean, KD left OKC to go to Golden State. There's, There's nothing wrong with it at all. And I think some of the guys back in the day, if Dr. J wanted, if Dr. J had an opportunity to go play for the Lakers when they was rolling, you don't think Dr. J would have went there? You honestly and you think that if Dr. J had an opportunity to go play for the Lakers and the Lakers could have got Dr. J, he wouldn't have just rolled out to Hollywood and got it done. I mean, you got one, you got one Sixer talking to a, uh, a former Sixer talking to a new Sixer and putting slander on the Nets because they understand that they're the biggest threat to why the process can't finally work. How did he feel about the damn process? Tanking and losing games on purpose year after year after year. Last I checked, his only title he had to go trade for Moses Malone, right? And see, it was different before because you used to have to trade for people to try and get your big three, and he traded to get Moses Malone so that he can get his super team, him, Mo Cheeks, and all the players that he had. So I don't understand how he could not understand that that's how they did it. They traded for the pieces that they needed to be able to oh, put the no, puzzle he, together. No, he understands that. Yeah, but clearly. what I'm saying, but how, he did the same thing. So how are you going to say they're buying it's a championship? Just, it's not buying a championship. It's maneuvering your way because guess what? You know, the Nets put themselves through a process where they made themselves a 
attractive to guys who were becoming free agents at the same time, and they made a decision to come together. No different than LeBron and what he did in Miami, no matter what he did with making sure that he kicked Wiggins out and say, hey, we need um, love to come here in Cleveland. It's always been that way. No matter what Jordan did with bringing Dennis Rodman over, that wasn't organic. They went and got Dennis Rodman. He was the hated, the hated rival. No bit different from what you know they did up in Boston. Everybody does it. It's so what's he talking about? It's not buying a title. It. Baseball, they do it. Football, they no, do it. No, but see, but it's different in basketball because basketball is a cap. So buying a championship would be the Yankees, would be the Dodgers. Hey, we're the best team. We got more money. We don't care about the luxury tax. We're in a big market. Come on over, Mookie Betts. Now, that, that's buying a title. You can't buy a title, I believe, in a cap sport because you ha- everybody has the same opportunity to be able to buy the same players if they run their organization the right way or if they're responsible with their cap situation. We the, should mention good case. No, I was going to say the Lakers, we got Shaq. Okay. Before we, that, it was Kareem. We bought a championship. We got Shaq. Okay, okay. And so what? Now what? Okay, right? But, but, but really. I mean, we, we traded Powell. We traded for Powell, got Powell, moved his brother. We got more championships. We went and got AD. So we can get more championships. But and when LeBron buy- is gone, we'll figure out how to sign somebody and bring some other players, maybe Damon Lillard or leave Portland but, and come to us and we'll win more championships. But key, that's not buying a championship. That's being a franchise that, are, that is running the right using, way to get him to come over. That's he's not buying. saying buying. He understands how to do it. He's just saying they're buying it because they're loading up. It, it, he's not literally talking about the money aspect of it. He's talking about the player. The accumulation of talent. Yeah, the accumulation of talent. Well, what the hell did they try and do when they got Al Horford last year? It just so happened he couldn't play no more. Like, they tried to do the same damn thing, and they tanked for a damn near decade and got the first overall pick for so much that the NBA had to change the damn rule. Yeah, the uh, Nets are going to have to now try to move on without LaMarcus Aldridge. He yes, retired sir. after 15 seasons <laughs> yesterday with an irregular heartbeat. He spent his career in Portland, nine years there, San Antonio, and a very brief stop in Brooklyn and based upon his retirement and certainly wishing well in the second act here of his life uh, as he moves on from basketball we're asking this morning because of this retirement which sort of came out of nowhere um, because he just discovered the irregular heartbeat thankfully he discovered it before it got yes absolutely decision, Zubin. Yeah, yeah. we didn't want a Reggie Lewis or Hank Gathers situation absolutely on not. our hands no so, tragedies I, mean, right? I understand you understand how tough that is he made a decision to, to, to act to be released to come over to win a right. championship something that had eluded his great career right. people don't understand what a tough decision that is to be able to make that decision for yourself and for your family because we all play the game for championships. And it, this wasn't like he was going to a team at the beginning of the season. Right. This was in the middle of the season where Buy you up, can yeah. you can see the trophy right there. Like, mm-hmm. we about to start and it's about to get real. Right. That's why he picked the Nets because of everything that Dr. J said you guys have and said. And not the Lakers. <laughs> no, the Lakers got their own. We they got good, drums. man. We they got drums. <laughs> man, when your show start? <laughs> oh, yeah. Everybody. Um. Tune in at 12 o'clock on ESPN Plus. <laughs> Martin Hahn, 12 noon Eastern, ESPN Plus, ESPN. Too real for this Radio. show. So basically we're asking, uh, based on the, our Aldridge retirement, you know, it got us thinking, like, what's the possible what-if scenario? Who's that athlete if they stayed healthy, if they were still around, if their career was not cut short by injury, that they would be in the pantheon, the most lofty of status? We've been hit with Bo Jackson. We've been hit with Tiger Woods, Ken Griffey Jr., Grant Hill, there have been some great ones this morning, and let's continue it with Paul in Louisiana. You're on ESPN Radio. Paul, what if? I think um, my guess would be Greg Odom. I was just thinking Greg Odom. It's a good one. Yeah. Portland's had it bad, man. Bowie, Roy, and Odom. Yeah, that's right. Wow. 
That's that's a, they snake bitten over there, man. Think about it. that's a good one, right? Because you got Bowie in front, Jordan most notably, Brandon Roy with and the for, knees, but then Odin in, in front of Kevin Durant, right? Odin in front of Kevin Durant in that draft, going one two. John in Virginia, what if? I don't think so. What if we go to Richard? You in can't Brooklyn? have no dead air, man. Come on, callers. <laughs> Richard in Brooklyn, what do you got? Um, Mickey Mantle. Oh. And Gail Sayers, they'd have both been just about the best. Yeah, I wasn't around. I wasn't around for Mickey Mantle, and I barely know about Gail Sayers because I had to read up on him and understand. You he was, know, he was but, in kindergarten, right? <laughs> no, my bad. <laughs> Gail Sayers has been mentioned by a couple people yeah. this morning. Uh, Jeff in Florida, what if? I'm going with Yao Ming and Tracy McGrady uh, package deal. You mentioned T Mac this morning, Bob. Yeah, man. T Mac was. A, was See, tough. T Mac was I tough. Remember, man. I don't remember his injury derailing him. Yeah, yes. What he did has, I miss? Yeah, I think he had a knee or something. He had an injury. He, but he still was. He still played at a high level. So I don't. I don't. Right. Well, is T Mac is T Mac in the Hall of Fame? I don't good. think. I don't think he is. So I think maybe if he would have been able to play some more and be dominant for a longer period of time. You know, he would have been able to yeah, be. Yeah, it seemed like, I, it, I don't know, it just seemed like to me he had a dominant career, but maybe I'm missing something. Allen, Wisconsin, you're on ESPN Radio. Who's your what-if athlete? Yeah, yes, sir. Uh, we, I was going back to the, uh, about buying the championship, the comment from the doctor. Oh, you sure? Yeah. Now, this was the difference. Back in the day, the main piece, the main foundation never left. Willis Reed. Bill Russell, Magic Johnson, Larry Bird. It's okay to get better. It's okay to buy. It's okay to, you know, do the lottery picks and all of that. But back in the day, it was noted that the main ingredient stayed put and built around. What we're seeing now in the last 20 years is some of the main ingredients, the main team players, the franchise player is leaving and going to another franchise and that's why some of the old school guys consider that as buying the championship it's player empowerment right because now i'm not gonna wait me listen they owned the rights back in the day they couldn't go nowhere if they wanted to right they had to ask for a trade they would never trade a larry bird but they showed up brought in bill walton right to come in and get that title so don't tell me that they weren't bringing great players over there to win those titles in those dynasties that's why the 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 stillers and that's why we fought for free agency for the right for us to be able to control our destiny not being dictated to by the owners saying hey we we own you you can't go nowhere you locked in and we'll move you we want to move you. Let, well, I okay. would say most of the main ingredients, though, Zubin, mm-hmm. are still with their teams. I mean, they, they, most of the frontline guys stay with their teams. And they got to be there. Or how else are you going to attract the other guys? Yeah, they're not. It's not <laughs> well, yeah, well, most the of the, Nets front are different. Line, the Nets most are of the frontline guys stay there. Well, the Nets are different because their three best players all came together, mm-hmm. like in two seasons, from other places. Now the core was the Joe Harris, the Dinwiddies, and the Leverts. They got rid of them. But they were the – so I understand what the caller is saying there. But now the players are doing it, and people don't like – the old school guys don't like that the players are, are, are putting their super teams together and not organizations because they're allowing players to have movement. They're not getting these long contracts with, with the no-trade clauses. They're getting, they're, getting these, they're getting these short deals where they're always a free agent, so if you're not doing what you're supposed to do as an organization, you can't hold me hostage. But you got to hit on your players, though. If you hit on your players when you draft them, they'll stay with your organization. No yeah. doubt. More on the Dr. J tip. Let's, uh, Key, let's take the path. And go to Dave in Jersey City, New Jersey. What you got? 
Dr. J is just speaking for the 76ers. Um, Golden State, if they, when they picked up the rent, that would be called buying the team. And you got to go back to a caller from the 5 o'clock show with Moses alone. That is buying a, a, a lead, basically, with Moses was a beast. And one quick thing, I love you guys. If Bernard King wasn't injured and yeah. you came That's along, unstoppable. That's Bernard King. Bernard King. No doubt. Straight New Yorker right there. You know what I'm saying? Y'all got me on this New York trip right now. That's a really good one. A prolific score, and the Knicks have had some really good ones in Bernard King. Yeah, Bernard King, King, yeah, that would have been – that was big time. There's no doubt about it. Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin, presented by Progressive Insurance. Also want to mention that we're brought to you by Mortal Kombat. Seed in theaters and on HBO Max, April 23rd. Rated R. We're heading back to some NFL draft talk. Georgia Tech opting to punt here. They're going to fake it and throw down the far sideline and caught. And a touchdown. The Jackets score with Nathan Cottrell. His second touch of the football this year. Wesley Hartman just dropped a dime. Normally, he's known for using the foot, but Presley Harvin III used his arm there. The Georgia Tech punter, who is so much more than just a punter, first-team well, All-American at that position, Ray Guy Award winner, and Ray Guy, of course, is in Canton. He was the best in his own conference, the ACC as well, and generally when you're an All-American, you'll be All-ACC as well. He's got a lot of accolades, but at that position, as you know, Sometimes it can be a tough sell at the NFL level. But if you're telling me this game is all about field position, a punter can be critical. And Presley joins us this morning, a couple weeks before the draft on the Goodyear hotline. I guess the first thing I got to ask you is when you walk into a room and teams are just obsessing over quarterbacks, tackles, and middle linebackers, how do you sell yourself? Uh, You know, I try to tell them that I'm versatile. Uh, I'm a little bit better than... You know, just being an average punter, I always, you know, try to strive to be a little bit more than just, you know, a guy that can just flip the field. Uh, Like you said, like with that fake pass that I threw, we've been practicing that for weeks. And, you know, just Coach Collins being able to instill and trust in me that, you know, I can try to make bigger plays uh, to try to help the team out as much as possible. Uh, You know, that's really what I've been trying to market myself as uh, for the NFL coaches. you know, I have a lot offered to the table. Uh, I got a big leg. I can also directional punt pretty well. And, you know, there's always that one caution of, you know, you never know when we'll be able to do a fake. Uh, and I think I bring that to the table pretty well. Now, you look on the on the highlight right there, you look athletic. I mean, the highlights, you look athletic. But <laughs> when I look at some pictures, I'm sitting back and I'm like, well, can he play maybe a little bit of fullbacker, maybe some linebacker? <laughs> like what, you know, what other position – could you play outside the punting game? Uh, well, I actually grew up playing center uh, back on the offensive line when I first started playing football and then transitioned over to tight end uh, my freshman year of high school. But then ever, ever since that point, uh, I've been kicking throughout that whole process, and I just really fell in love with the punting game. And to be honest, you know, I feel like if a coach got to put me anywhere on the field, I could try to produce as much as I can, but – you know, being the size that I am and being a punter, you know, it's different. You don't really see it as a lot. Uh, and I grew up hearing the name Reggie Roby. Uh, Reggie Roby was also a black punter in the NFL back. Uh, he passed in 2005, and Reggie Roby yeah. was 6'2", 258 pounds. Uh, and I'm pretty similar to that, too. And just, you know, being able to 
you know, have a different size, you know, be outside of the stereotypical realm of being a punter. Uh, you know, it's a little bit different, but I definitely appreciate the grind. And, you know, I've been able to be where I am today because of it. So I played with a, I played in the pros. I played with Tom Tupa um, at the New York Jets as well as the Tampa Bay Bucks. But Tupa played quarterback at Ohio State, but he also was our punter when he got into the pros. That was ma- mainly his job. He was our emergency quarterback. He actually threw me a touchdown in a game against New England when he came in replacing Vinny Testaverde. When you look at the situation with your other teammates, do they, you know, because kickers are kind of punters. Kickers, they off on their own. They do their own little thing. When we're out on the field practicing, they off playing cards or sleeping in the damn locker room. <laughs> are the players kind of like, how do they, I guess, how do they treat you because you are a punter? Let's be real. You're not like a receiver yeah, yeah. or anything like that. Yeah, I mean, I love the guys back in the locker room. Uh, about four years at Georgia Tech, I had a lot of different teammates, and all of them really came down to the same thing of, you know, we know you're different. We know that you have a different work ethic, and, you know, you have a different specialty of, you know, how do you actually be able to train and stuff in practice? And the guys just appreciated it. Uh, we always were kind of on the outside by ourselves working on technique stuff while they're, you know, doing seven-on-seven, seven, doing indie periods and stuff like that. But it, it was never really a, a confusion or a problem with, you know, or the, all of the specialists are in the back just kicking the ball. And, you know, they don't look like they're doing as much work. It was never a misunderstanding about that. But, you know, when we're in practice, you know, we're actually always engaged with the guys. Uh, Coach Collins makes us, you know – Go cheer on the guys if they're doing seven on seven or scrimmaging offense versus defense or something like that. And you know, we're actually in a couple of drills with the defense. Uh, we used to do like a tackling circuit, uh, just for a, like a just in case measure, uh, and just a couple of other different things here and there. Uh, just being in practice, trying to you know not give the guys that sense of well, we don't know what they're doing. We wanted to be around the guys and try to help motivate them in practice as well. Hey, how did you discover that you can um, punt the ball? Do you have a soccer background or did you grow up kicking on your little league teams? Like, how did you make that transition to, hey, I'm a center, to, hey, you know what, I'm a much more dominant punter than I am a center? Yeah, it started out in seventh grade. Um, Back then, we had an open tryout for all positions. Uh, I was actually playing center at the time for about a week on offensive line. And the next thing you know, coach was just like, we don't have a punter. You know, let's see who can kick a ball. So, you know, me, I was just like, well, I mean, if I can help the team, I can help the team. So I just picked the ball up. And ever since that first punt that I kicked that went like probably might be five yards, but it went straight up in the air. I never really looked back after that um, and actually started getting professional training from Cole's professional kicking camps uh, with Jamie Cole and his staff my freshman year of high school. And ever since that point, you know, I've been dealing with a lot of different coaches telling me, you know, we understand that you want to kick, but come on, man, come play tight end for us when I was in high school and stuff like that. And, you know, my parents, they instilled in everything into me to be able to be the punter I am today. And, you know, they told me to just stick with what you want to stick to. Uh, and it's been a hard thing to do, but, you know, I am blessed for where I am today because of it. Presley, you you uh, kicked for or worked out for a number of NFL teams about a month ago. What are you hearing from them now that that process is over with and who was in attendance yeah, the process was, you know, it's a lot different, especially this year because of COVID. Uh, we didn't actually know, you know, how pro day was really going to look. But, you know, we had decent weather. I was about 55 and, you know, a little bit of mud, rain and mud. But uh, the biggest thing from pro day for me was, you know, how can I show these coaches that I can be a good directional punter uh, and be more consistent on that level? 
and did that pretty well at uh, Pro Day. And uh, the two coaches that walked me through my actual workout was Danny Smith. He's a special teams coach from the Steelers, as well as Marquise Williams. He's a new special teams coach at the Falcons. And, you know, it was a lot of other coaches in attendance. I think just about every every team in the NFL was actually had at least a scout there. And, you know, it was a, it was a great experience. Um, it was definitely something that, you know, I was always looking forward to. And, you know, the, the things that I'm hearing right now is, you know, trying to get that more consistency. Um, I'm a big dude, so I've, I've lost about 23 pounds now since January. Mm-hmm. And just being able to, you know, shed a little bit more off of that and, you know, just tell, show these coaches that, you know, no matter what, no matter what size I am, no matter what color my skin is, I can do this at a high level. You, you mentioned skin color. I was going to ask you, do you feel a, a sense of responsibility to get this thing done in the NFL, given the history of black punters? We we just don't, I mean, for whatever reason, there's not any of us running around the NFL punting on a consistent basis. Yeah, I mean, I definitely feel like it's a responsibility on my part. Uh, being a, Also being the one that's the first one to win the rate guys, African-American male, you know, it's kind of like me trying to pay it forward for everyone that's going to be behind me. And, you know, put a lot of work in and had a lot of stereotypes on my name and, you know, went to camps that, you know, I'm the oddball because I am black. You know, it's just something that, you know, I've always looked at of just motivation. Uh, being one of the only ones, especially on the collegiate level and the D1 level, you know, being able to do what I did last year, you know, it's truly an honor for me. But, you know, I, I find if I find the statement that I've always been saying since I won the Ray guy was, you know, just because I'm the first one doesn't mean I'm the last. And I can, you know, I can be truly honored for being the first one. But, you know, winning that award may, definitely taught me that, you know, it's bigger than me. Uh, paying it forward for a lot of different guys is one of the biggest things that my parents told me to always do. Uh, you can get all the accolades in the world, but, you know, if you don't give it back to other people in the community, as well as, you know, trying to motivate other guys that's behind you, you know, you're not going to be able to, you know, have the much of an output that you think you would. So, you know, just being one of the first ones to do it at this level and being a draft, and especially after the year we just had because of COVID, you know, it, it just showed that hard work and dedication over years, it pays off. You know, it's funny you say that. It's the first but not the last. I'm, I would be remiss if I didn't mention today is technically the second of Jackie Robinson days in Major League Baseball. So for you as a black punter, in this sport, at that position that's devoid of people like you at the position to say first but not last on a day where we honor Jackie Robinson yesterday and today is apropos. Presley, really appreciate it. Best of luck, and we'll look for you on our TVs Sundays, not Saturdays, Sundays this fall. Oh, yeah, appreciate you guys. Thank Congrats. you. Congrats, uh-huh. Presley Harvin III on the Goodyear Hotline. We're presented by Progressive Insurance with insurance for cars, homes, boats, motorcycles, RVs, and commercial vehicles at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and progressive.com. Janikowski, Aguayo, you don't see a lot of kickers slash punters go early. And by the way, Reggie Roby is idle. I never realized why he did this. One of my favorite players, he always wore a watch on the field. Do you remember yeah, that? Yeah, time is Yeah, time I just never saw a lot of other punters do that, but he'd always roll out there with a watch on the field. The late, great mm-hmm. Reggie Roby. On the way, we will... Catch up with Kirk Herbstreet. He's in an opportunity to sit down with all the big quarterbacks, all the big quarterbacks that'll be selected at the draft. So what's his biggest takeaway after not just watching the film, but sitting down and talking to him? Herbie joins us next on Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin on ESPN Radio and the ESPN app. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today. The number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. 
Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S.com. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Everything you want in a quarterback and everything you could possibly know about a quarterback, courtesy of our next guest, who breaks it down like nobody else in the college game. And of course, college game day will return for its NFL draft edition on April 29th. Of course, we're talking about Kirk Herbstreet. Kirk, starting tomorrow, has this great series called QB 21 that'll be airing across ESPN, ABC, and ESPN 2, where Kirk will have an opportunity to sit down with Trevor Lawrence, Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Kyle Trask, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson. So all the guys we've been talking about nonstop here for the last month, Kirk had the best seat in the house, literally took a seat and talked to him. Look forward starting tomorrow all across ABC, ESPN, and ESPN 2, and he joins us this morning on the Goodyear Hotline. Kirk, what's the one thing you just took away with any of these guys, just from a conversation standpoint, that really caught you? Um, good morning, guys. Uh, I, I would say, other than Trevor, who's, who's been in the, kind of the, 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 the limelight since really almost middle school, had to deal with that pressure, <clears throat> I would say all these guys have had to deal with, with adversity. They all kind of have a chip on their shoulder collectively. Um, even though Justin Fields and Zach Wilson, all these guys have, have had great careers, you go down the line and, and you hear about their story, their individual story and, and what they faced. And, and uh, I think it's just a great message for players that are currently in high school or, or even college football uh, in this transfer portal era about you know, how quickly guys maybe hit some adversity and, and want to go somewhere else. Here, here are really good examples of guys that are about to be drafted very high in the draft that, they went through some things that weren't easy and, uh, and, and came out on the other side and, and now they're mad at the world, you know, and, and, and better for it. So I, I think that's the thing that really stood out is each of them have, uh, have some kind of story about what created that, that, uh, that attitude that they have that I, I'm going to prove people wrong. Mm. There's been a lot of chatter, obviously, Kurt, around Justin Fields and where he's going to go in the draft and whatnot. Um, now he looks like he's become the favorite to go to the 49ers at the third spot, according to Caesars, William Hill. What do you think he showed uh, the 49ers on his, at his pro day on Wednesday? Uh, you know, Key, I've been mystified by, by this, this whole thing. And I know you guys in the NFL are used to this every year, they're, they're, especially this position, the draft comes all around and, I guess there's nothing to do in February, March, leading up to April. So we just we criticize and we find find anything we can find, you know, that, about these 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 uh, players. I, I never heard any of this with Justin Fields. I, I I didn't get. I always thought coming in when the season ended, I thought it was Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, like a one A one B. 
just based on their production, based on the way they played. Uh, and then, then the game started, you know, then all the, 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 the stuff, the, the noise started. And, and then it, all of a sudden, Justin Fields is quote unquote sliding, and uh, that was going on for a while. And now, now Justin Fields is making this miraculous comeback. It's like same guy, same, same, guy. Guy, same guy that we that we all watch just play really, really a high level on big stages. And I I just kind of sit back and watch it. You know, I I saw a guy transfer, didn't know anybody from the South, came to Ohio State. And, and within a month, won the locker room over. I think that says everything you need to know about him. Um, it's hard to do that. You know that better than anybody when you're at a big-time, high-profile high program and you win a locker room over instantly. So they, they saw work ethic. They saw commitment. They saw talent. And then he went out and played and played well and, and made every throw. And players wanted to follow him. Players respected him. Um, and he did. How about last year when COVID hit? And the Big Ten decided they weren't going to play. And everybody assumed, well, he's going to opt out or he's, he's going to get ready for the league. And he sat there and went out and got over 300,000 signatures for a petition that we want to play. Hashtag we want to play. He led that in the Big Ten. And, I mean, like every intangible you can think of to, to check a box, like you, you, you want to check that box for this guy. And, and, um, I, I happened to interview him the day after some of that stuff came out. And, and again, if you, if you wanted to add to a guy's intensity and add to a guy's focus and drive, uh, that's been done if, as if he needed it, but six, three, two twenty five runs a four, four, uh, the way the game is trending at, at that level that, that you guys are so familiar with, uh, you know, you watch Kyler Murray, you watch Patrick Mahomes, you watch Baker Mayfield. Lamar, I mean, it's it's trending in a way where these offensive minds are figuring out ways to utilize these guys' skill set, not just as throwers, but obviously their ability to create and their athletic ability. And my gosh, 6'3", 225, runs a 4'4", and has played on every big stage you can play in in college and perform well. There's a lot to like there. What, what I would say, though, uh, Kirk, is don't listen to any other noise because the decision makers mm-hmm. that make the decisions, you've been doing college football a very long time, and I've been in the pro game a long time. The decision makers aren't the ones that's putting it out there. There's clickbaiters. Oh, it's clickbaiters that do it. I haven't heard any it. GMs or head coaches out making these, 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 uh, these claims. It's anonymous sources, which, yeah. which drives me crazy. Yeah, and, and so you know Ryan Day pretty well. How do you think Ryan Day is changing the narrative on Ohio State quarterbacks that haven't been very successful coming out of Ohio State as far back as you could think to where it is now for these guys to get ready to have yeah. some success in the NFL? And I don't know. I don't know if you guys have had Ryan on yet. You know, leading up to the draft, but but uh, if you haven't, hopefully you will. You know, the NFL is always there's always rumors about him going back to the NFL, where he was an offensive coordinator, and now with the success at Ohio State, the potential to become a head coach. You know, he and he and Lincoln Riley. It seemed like they're always there's always talk about that. Um, I, 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 w- I think he would tell you very candidly that when Dwayne Haskins was ready to declare that he, he was talking to Dwayne about how he needed another year, not just because, oh, yeah, of course he wanted another year. He really felt he needed another year to mature and, and play more and develop. Um, I, I think he feels very differently about, about Justin Fields based on what he's been through on and off the field. 
I think he feels he's ready to go. And I think the Ohio State offense, if you were to break it down and really watch how quarterback-friendly it's become, it's a very different offense from what Urban Meyer was running if you ever watched Ohio State in, in that era. Um, you know, I, I think he's putting a lot more on the quarterback uh, as far as protection, as far as full field reads, as far as just if you what you watch on Sunday compared to what you might watch from an Ohio State offense. I don't think it's as drastic of a jump as as maybe as it's been in the past, and I think it's because of of the style of offense and and like I said, the the way he's able to communicate and, and make his quarterbacks understand protections and understand reads and, and help them with the processing. And I really think that in a weird way, COVID helped Justin Fields because when they shut down the Big Ten, Justin Fields just basically he became the right-hand man of Ryan Day. And they, they spent those months in the spring and summer one-on-one together in a film room studying a lot of NFL quarterbacks and really working and grinding down on coverage and trying to take his understanding to a whole different level. So I, I think that time really helped him. And, uh, and I think, Ryan, if you have him on, will really go into more detail about, uh, about the, that time that they spent together. Mm-hmm. That'll be fascinating. We'll have to make sure we ask him that. And also equally as fascinating, but a discussion for another day after Justin Fields gave Ohio State what he did for two years. The fact that right now the Buckeyes don't have a guy that's thrown a college pass on their roster right now, but with Ryan Day in charge, he'll certainly figure it out. Kurt, can't wait to watch this QB 21 with all the fellas starting tomorrow, and we'll see you college game day at the NFL Draft. Appreciate it. Yeah, you got it. And key, my, my heart, my heartfelt condolences, my man. I, Appreciate I, it. Uh, just been thinking about you. Thank you. That's Kirk Herbstreit joining us on the Goodyear Hotline. Obviously, we echo all those sentiments that Kirk has said and many of our callers have relayed to Key. On the way, take it or shake it, including whether Dr. J is right. <laughs> Are the Nets really buying a championship? This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash unsportsmanlike today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash unsportsmanlike. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. You know how this works. Evan's going to throw us a topic. We'll either take it, grab it, shake it, toss it. All right, Ev, go ahead. All right, guys. Dr. J is right. The Nets are buying a championship. Take it or shake it. Take it. Take it. Take it. Yeah, for sure he's buying a championship. What's wrong with that, though? Everybody buys championships. It you, depends on 
how you acquire that championship. Is it via trade? Is it free agency? Is it through the draft? Everybody buys championships in sports. I'm shaking it because I believe that they're not buying a championship. You know, it's kind of what Key was alluding to. The fact that they developed this team and made themselves an attractive destination is all about what they did. They had some dark times. You know what I mean? They they, they made their, their organization attractive. They got some superstars to come there. But everybody has an equal chance because there is a salary cap sport. I'm with Bart. I'm going to shake it because they're just playing by the rules of the game, the quote-unquote rules. The Heat had a big three. The Warriors had a big three. The Celtics had a big three twice. And I don't think people are saying those teams bought championships. Savvy drafting and great free agent acquisition. So I'll shake it. Take it or shake it brought to you by Granger. Zubin, LaMarcus Aldridge is a Hall of Famer. Take it or shake it. Initially, my rule on this is always, I don't know if you guys have this, I'm going to go I'm going to take it. My initial thing would be to shake it because whenever you give me anybody in any sport, if I have to hesitate or think, 99% of the time the answer is no. It's not the Hall of Very Good, right? It's the Hall of Fame. So if I have to think about it, it's a no. I'm going to go yes here. He went five straight seasons where he scored at least 20 points per game. And also keep in mind, for the Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame, it's a very small thing, but unlike the NFL... They're not taking college and all that stuff into account. He was a good college player, very good NBA player. Both count in the Naismith Memorial Hall of Fame, right? NBA coaches are in there, and so is Bill Self and Coach K. So I will take it just based on the cumulative effort, but just barely. Take it! Take it! Take it! Take it. I'm following Zubin. <laughs> man, shake that, man. Come on, man. Like, he's, he's not a Hall of Famer. He's a Hall of Very Good, but he's not a Hall of Famer. You know what I mean? You think about he's never been at any point the top 10 player in this league during his entire career. So if you can't say that about him, how can you say he's a Hall of Famer when he wasn't even, you know, one of the top 10 top players during his era? It's everything, though. It's not just pro. So that's why I'm putting him in. Can't take that, man. Yeah. Guys, you know Steph Curry? He's been on a roll lately. You can watch Steph Curry get in the zone against the Celtics tomorrow night. Get in the zone is brought to you by AutoZone. Get in the zone, AutoZone. So, Steph Curry says that Klay Thompson's record of 14 threes is gettable. Steph Curry will make three, 15 threes in a game at some point. Take it or shake it. Take it! Take it! Yeah, I don't know if it'll be this year or next year, but he will at some point get it because he's close. I mean, he is close, and so I, I thought he would have had the record many times over by now, but I guess not. Yeah, the record, Clay, 14 against the Bulls. I'll take it as well, and I think he's got a great chance to do it this year because the Warriors are going nowhere. Wiseman's hurt out for the year. He doesn't have to share any of the shots with Clay, so he can put up as many shots as he wants with really no downside. And have the most important thing you failed to mention tomorrow, Celtics Warriors ABC. Company guy. Always got to make sure you get any company plug-in you can get. Well, it's also on ESPN Radio. There Tune in tomorrow night. Celtics That's probably better. Presented That's... by Indeed. Coverage begins at 8 p.m. Eastern on most ESPN Radio stations. That's better than mine. That's for sure. The Browns are the biggest threat to the Chiefs in the AFC. Take it or shake it? Shake that. Shake that. Shake that. Shake it. Shake it. Shake it. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think so. It could be Buffalo, but I, I don't care. Will nobody tell me, including Bart, who – can't stand the Patriots, okay. being an ex-Jet and an ex-Rex guy and a Baltimore Raven, the Pats might be a sneaky, scary favorite in terms of that. 
I'm going to shake it, man. Listen, you can take the Pats all you want. I mean, I like Buffalo as the biggest threat um, to, to them. But, you know, I still, not because I'm a raving, I think that Eric <laughs> DeCoste still has a lot of moves up his sleeve. I think he's going to solidify that, you know, the, the rushing with um, Justin Houston or, or Mark Ingram. So they're going to replace that production that they lost. And then they're going to draft well like they always do. But can Lamar Jackson get a weapon? Can they make a trade? For, for a big-time receiver, for Lamar Jackson. If they do that, the Ravens are right there. I'll shake it. I just think it's one of those situations where I love Baker, but he's still just got to prove it to me. He's just still got to prove it. They're moving into the right direction. We mentioned they just had their best year ever since returning to the NFL, but it's still a wide gap between Kansas City and everyone else. Just ask the Buffalo Bills about that. Mm-hmm. Bart told me if he's going to host, he wants more hockey in the show. So, Bart, Zach Jones, the New York Rangers prospect, will have a better career than Mac Jones. Take it or shake it. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to go ahead and take that just take because that, take uh, that. Take it. I think the young prospect is going to be better than Mac Jones. But you know what? I have to shake that, man, because Mac Jones is probably – if he's taking third, if he's taking third, he's going to go to a ready-made situation in San Francisco, and he'll be able to hide for a while before they realize that he's not a franchise guy. But they'll get what they need out of him, cheap productivity, you know, and be able to get great stars around him. It's not take it and shake it. It's take it or shake it. (laughs) Well, damn it, I changed my mind, man. It's America, Jack. Oh, my God. For a million dollars, if Zach Jones walked in here, could anybody recognize him? Yeah, absolutely. He's a defenseman from UMass that they've taken in the – I think he was a third-round third, third round pick. Where do you use Google? <laughs> I mean, does he have a mustache? Does he have a mustache, yes or no? No, he does not have he a mustache. He has a full Minchu no, man. Oh, okay, I'm just playing. Stop. He could, the playoff beard, right? If we go to the, the hockey playoff okay, okay, beard yeah. – could end up happening. Uh, he was drafted Wait. in 2019, man. Relax. <laughs> Take it or shake it is brought to you by Granger with supplies and solutions for every industry. Granger is always there to help. Click, call, Granger.com slash safety or just stop by. On the way, Key's top five real rankings for the draft. Wait till you see who he's got at number five. You probably never heard of this guy. Thanks for listening to Keyshawn, J. Will, and Zubin. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. You can hear the show live weekdays at 6 Eastern on ESPN Radio, ESPN News, or wherever you stream your audio. Have you ridden an electric e-bike yet? You need to check out Electric e-bikes today, the number one selling e-bike in America. Two things stand out that bikers love about electric. Number one, the majority of their models come pre-assembled, so you don't need to be a bike savant to ride them. Number two, electric wants to empower riders to spend more time exploring outside on their bikes, so they've made range a priority. Long-range batteries allow riders to hit typically around 65 miles of range or up to 150 miles on some models. Bonus! 
Electric has purposefully priced their bikes to be affordably awesome, so you don't have to break the bank to get these sweet rides. See why people who have made the switch to electric bikes have fallen in love with biking again by visiting electricebikes.com. That's L-E-C-T-R-I-C-E-B-I-K-S dot com.